Welcome back to Upstate Anecdotes, the Shy Institute for Sustainable Communities podcast. My name's Autumn Hines. We've learned about the donut model for social and planetary boundaries and looked at what an individual can do to fit into this model. An individual's choices are limited though. You can only buy what's being sold and every purchase you make carries so much weight. What's the ethos of the company you're buying from? How do they treat their workers? How much pollution do they cause? That's why this episode is focusing on corporations. Corporations and their decisions are in the news seemingly more now than ever. Every news outlet is talking about Jeff Bezos like he's a celebrity. And Amazon is criticized when it comes to working conditions and union busting. Corporations are growing larger and larger. And with that level of growth comes an even higher level of responsibility. As we've explored, the donut model accounts for both social shortfalls and environmental overshoots. Take Amazon, for example. The working conditions for warehouse workers are widely known to be inhumane with long hours, few breaks, and back-breaking work in order to meet hourly metrics. People are treated like machines while their billionaire founder is commissioning a $500 million super yacht and getting shot into space for 11 minutes on a commercial spaceship. The stunning disparity in living conditions is a scary visual representation of the type of wealth gap within these giant corporations. On the planetary side, Amazon approaches sustainability with a sort of reckless abandon that makes me want to cry. I've seen one of their sustainability plans, and while there's some effort to get sustainability buzzwords out there for their public image, there's not much really done. Plastic packaging, millions of fleet vehicles with no discernible plan to change their ways. In fact, recently, Bezos suggested making space a new sacrifice zone for our waste. With all the money, technology, and solutions within his grasp, his plan is to launch trash into space. It's borderline supervillain. Economist Kate Rayworth suggests that corporations stop growing entirely, that we abandon our capitalist instincts in favor of nurturing our people and our planet. I happen to agree with her, but I'm also a realist. Jeff Bezos doesn't seem like the type to break up Amazon and bring back small local business So there has to be some balance in the middle. One idea for having a business of any size that fits into the donut model is to reinvest profits into the community and into social programs, or to help offset the planetary effect of business practices. You hear about carbon offsetting practices more and more frequently. Or a business can innovate, find a more sustainable process in the first place pay their workers more, stop using harmful materials even if the better alternative is more expensive, turn away from the current profit-driven model to being driven by the responsibility of being able to make decisions that will have a massive effect on the planet and those living on it. Recently, stockholders have taken to becoming more vocal about what they will and will not accept from businesses. In the past year and a half, Consumers and shareholders have demanded that the businesses they invest in use their much larger voice to advocate for those who don't have that influence. Corporations have so much power, and only the good few use it to make things a little better. I got the opportunity to interview Alpa Sutaria, Vice President and General Manager of Coca-Cola's Sustainability Department. Coca-Cola is also a huge corporation with this massive level of responsibility. They produce plastic and consume water, two limited resources that made them need to look at their business and evaluate how to make it sustainable. Here's our conversation. 
our companies, uh, we call it our um, environmental, social, and governance report. Um, we put it out, uh, you know, how most companies will put out an annual report, you know, that just covers their business. Well, we reframed ours earlier this year, and it we our report is more focused, I would say, on all the things that we're doing around the environment and, you know, social and governance issues, as well as covering our, you know, business results um, all in one report. And it's got a great kind of deep dive on a lot of the things that we're we'll probably just, you know, skim the surface on today. But I will tell you for Coca-Cola as a company, I think it goes beyond being a definition. It really is a part of our core purpose. Um, you probably have heard the phrase, refresh the world and make a difference. That is actually our purpose in one statement. And I think that really sums it up. I mean, we believe in as a company that, you know, it's our it's our reason for being. Um, and as a, you know, as a core part of our identity, we want to make sure that we're doing good things in the world around us. Uh, because not only is it, you know, good for our, the people that drink our beverages and, you know, are part of our company, but ultimately it's good for business. It's part of our long-term, you know, um, you know, uh, uh, leadership position in the, in the world and um, ultimately just make sure that we have a thriving planet and, you know, thriving business for, for generations to come. And when did you guys start leading into the sustainability? You know, again, I think because it's been such a part of the company's DNA for so, so many years, I don't know that I could uh, pinpoint a specific starting point. It goes back, our company is over 130 years old, and it goes back way, you know, back to the to the beginning. Um, and there are proof points at many different points in time where we've done great things around sustainability, whether it's, you know, in the 60s when people remember the Hilltop, you know, advertisement, which is so iconic, really leaning into social justice issues, things our company has done to support, um, you know, voting rights, for example, um, things that we've done to support um, water, uh, water conservation efforts around the world. We started that many, many years ago and um, actually replenished more water than we use today, um, you know, which is incredible. That's an incredible statement. Uh, but we do that because, you know, we believe not only in making sure that we're taking care of our business, but it's also about the communities that, that we uh, operate in. So we've been doing it for quite a long time. So Coke is such a big company. Do you mm -hmm. see yourself as a pacemaker for other smaller companies? Yeah, I think um, we're blessed because we are a big company. We have an incredible global reach, but we're also very local. You know, um, most people around the world have seen the Coke guy in their in their community, right? Stocking a shelf or delivering products. So we have that scale and that advantage of being really everywhere. Um, and I think in that way, because we take actions that are moving, we hope in the right direction, that we are in many ways a pace setter. Um, I'll tell you, for example, that we were, you know, one of the early global companies that was really leaning heavily into women's empowerment, really leaning into, um, you know, water conservation efforts, for example. And we've been doing a lot of really great work over the last mm, four, five, six, seven years, even longer around 
carbon emissions and greenhouse gases around um, plastic and packaging waste and addressing, you know, our role in that crisis. So I think that it is happening, um, you know, on many different levels in different places around the world. And because we have such scale, um, we can influence, um, you know, not only what's happening with our competition or other beverage manufacturers, but also people who supply our, you know, um, raw materials, our ingredients, uh, partners in the communities that we operate in. Um, we have a seat at the table with governments, with local legislators, you know, national um, figures, and also international figures. So that's very, very helpful. And, uh, and I think that we want to use that opportunity wisely. Is Coke innovating or researching how to make more recyclable packaging? All the time, all the time. Uh, as a matter of fact, um, you know, if we kind of take a look at the, the markets around the world, uh, most of our largest markets um, have 100% recycled packages. Uh, we introduced some of those across the United States earlier this year. You've probably, you know, even seen some of our media and seen them in the stores. Um, and we continue to move down this path. Um, you know, we have a really great uh, strong global packaging innovation team and you know they're they're constantly working on ways to make our products more sustainable it's one of the one of our objectives actually um, uh, by 2025 which is just a few years down the road we want to make sure that our our bottles and cans are 100 percent recyclable which is really important right because you can't you know you can't um, make bottles from old bottles um, if they're not recyclable so we need to make sure that we're designing well and putting great sustainable materials out into the world and then um, we are also doing a lot to collect and capture our packages and others to reuse them um, and that's a big part of the work that we're doing now yeah, speaking of that, is there programs to address plastic and waste in communities? Mm -hmm. Yeah, quite a few. Um, it's something that we've really been getting into um, at the local level for, for many years now. We partner with a number of different organizations, including uh, the Recycling Partnership, the World Wildlife Fund, uh, lots of local and community organizations that are doing this work, um, you know, in places where, for example, there might not be a lot of access for people to recycle uh, because they don't have, you know, curbside recycling or they may not have the opportunity to, um, you know, get to a drop-off center in a rural area. So we are partnering with a lot of local organizations to, you know, give grants to our foundation uh, or even with our bottling network, our, our partners, our business partners to support some of those types of organizations and make that happen. My next question was about water usage in terms of the bottling factories compared to the communities. And you mentioned like that you're replenishing water quicker than mm -hmm. you're using it. If you go more into depth on that. Yeah, it's, um, there are a number of different things that we're doing on, on that front. Um, first and foremost, we are basically trying to manage the water that we do use very efficiently. So we look at things like water use ratios and making sure that all of our facilities are working to, you know, great standards. 
um, so that we're not wasting the water that we use. We are also very careful in making sure that our water gets treated well so that, you know, what we're putting back into the environment is, you know, is good water. Um, and then um, the third thing that we're doing is really working on the health of our watersheds. And, um, you know, we've been doing this for many years in many places around the world. And so we partner with communities, with governments, with not-for-profits and NGOs to go and um, work on projects where we basically try to rehabilitate the health of watersheds. And so because that may not be directly related to our facilities, but it's in an environment that maybe is water stressed and where we have operations, um, we want to make sure that that water table is healthy. And when that water table is healthy, then it is basically creating, you know, a better scenario for everybody in the community, including our operations. So we may not be directly managing that inside of the four walls of our factory or our production or distribution plants, but we are doing that in the communities and in those, um, you know, kind of uh, water stressed areas so that um, we're, we're maintaining water health. So more into the social side, I was wondering how Coke integrates social and racial equity into hiring practices and the company Ethos. Yeah, well, first, um, again, you know, it's it's core to our, to our purpose. Um, we want and need to be a very equitable organization that really creates opportunities for people um, everywhere. And uh, our, our vision and our objective is to really have a population inside of our organization that mirrors the communities that we serve. And that means that we want to, you know, go and source great talent that reflects the diversity and the, um, you know, uh, really uh, inclusion that we're trying to trying to achieve. So we do that in a number of different ways. Um, first, um, you know, we are building very directly that objective of, you know, we know basically for the communities that we serve, what is the population makeup and holding ourselves accountable uh, internally and disclosing it externally, how we're making progress against that. And that includes, you know, men and women, uh, that includes, you know, uh, racial diversity. Um, and I think that we also are striving really to bring in different types of thinking because at the end of the day, it just makes us richer and, um, you know, much more productive. And so that's, that's uh, first and foremost. And then secondly, we are doing a number of different things that are very um, action oriented um, in our hiring practices, in our internal recruiting and development practices. For example, uh, when we um, screen candidates, we always want to make sure that we have a diverse pool of candidates. Um, and, you know, we want to make sure that we have multiple diverse um, uh, people who are on our, you know, list of folks that we want to interview and bring in. Um, and then as we actually vet the candidates, we want to make sure that the people who are interviewing the candidates are also diverse. So we have, you know, requirements to make sure that we have diverse panels of interviewers. Uh, another thing that we do is kind of look after the fact at, you know, the, the choices and decisions that we've made, constantly looking at the makeup of our organization to really understand where we might have some blind spots, where we might have some opportunities and where we're doing really well so that we can understand how, you know, to apply some of those learnings in other parts of our business. 
Um, we have created relationships in many different places, professional relationships with professional, you know, external organizations, um, through uh, recruiters, through colleges and universities, a uh, number of different avenues through, um, you know, diverse organizations so that we can continually develop a pipeline of great talent because that's that's part of what is important, right? You need to always make sure that you have you know, the richness of, of the people that you're trying to bring into your organization. And um, you can't wait until the last minute to try to go find somebody, right? Just because you realize that that's a gap. So, so that's important for us as well. Um, and I think the most important thing is that everyone across our company knows that this is important and our leaders know that this is important and this is something that is not optional, that we're doing it. Um, and, um, and that makes a big difference. Amazing. I think that it really shows that pacemaker being transparent makes other people look at themselves to other companies. Mm -hmm. It's like, oh, okay, well, Coke is being so transparent. Now people want us to be transparent. We need to step it up. Yeah, I think, um, you know, a little bit of healthy competition in a good way is a good thing. And um, it's not just about being competitive. It's just about doing the right thing. And I think we all learn from each other. Uh, when we are transparent um, and it changes the nature of what you're trying to do from being, you know, from avoiding risk to making progress. And that's really what we're trying to do. We're trying to make progress um, and not just stay out of trouble. And, you know, uh, that that is a very healthy sort of mindset. And I think that it really opens up new and creative ways to actually tackle problems. I'd like to thank Coke for taking the time to talk to me. Not every corporation is as transparent in sharing their sustainability program. Corporations have so much money and so much power to make these big sweeping changes, but corporations often have no incentive to make their business more sustainable. As Kate Rayworth said in her TED Talk, businesses want to grow and grow until there's nothing left. It's encouraging to hear that some corporations are realizing that there is an end to how big a company can get before there's too much sacrifice in the process and changing business as usual to mitigate some of the negative effects of business. On the next episode, we'll be looking at governments and their ability to enact regulations to aid in reaching social and planetary goals. Thanks for listening. And look for the Shy Institute for Sustainable Communities at Furman University on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram.